So The Hill Rising is a show that was popularized by the Crystal and Sagar iteration of the series. You guys might remember it. It was right-wing populist versus left-wing populist. However, they moved on to do the Breaking Points podcast, and then the show continued with a new cast of characters. Now, representing the left-wing, we have Brianna Joy Gray, somebody who we've touched on on this channel a couple of different times, who's absolutely ridiculous in terms of how progressive she is. And on the opposition, we have Robbie Suave, who is a libertarian. And much like the previous iteration of the show, it appears, for whatever reason, that Brianna seems to have the upper hand in these conversations, a la Hannity and Combs, except this time Combs is the winner over Hannity, which never happened on the original Fox News version. And honestly, it's kind of amazing how many lies Brianna can just say and repeat and perpetuate on this show with very little pushback even when Robbie is correct on his pushback and he says the correct thing she just steamrolls him so credit to my friend Clinton for sending me over this clip it's related to the whole Elon Musk comparing Soros to Magneto thing and I would have never watched this before but having watched it having heard what was said in this ridiculous conversation we have to debunk and smash all of it but before we get into that I want to say thank you to everybody who signed up over on my website actualjusticewarrior.com join give me the money give you give me the money okay and to the people who listen to the show via apple's podcasting platform spotify and now google podcasts links for all are in the description go find me over there and subscribe elon musk picked a fight with george soros and made an interesting comment about soros he called him Magneto, the comic book supervillain, I'm definitely going to talk more about that. <laughs> Brianna's utter delight. So this is very interesting. Because Magneto is a, specifically a Jewish supervillain, Magneto's backstory is that he's a Holocaust survivor. So Magneto's from the X-Men. He's a villain in the X-Men. Great. It was great. <laughs> so, But people are saying that Musk basically did an anti-Semitism. Right. Which, let's, let's, that's a little preposterous. Let's, let's- So first and foremost, I do appreciate Robbie setting the tone that this is probably a reach to label this anti-Semitic just because Magneto happens to be an actual Holocaust survivor in the comic books and in the movies, and George Soros is somebody who escaped the Holocaust, and therefore this should have been seen by Musk as a weird like anti-Semitic parallel or anything like that. Also, I do want to point out that Magneto is a fantastic character, way more interesting than George Soros in reality and honestly I'm not on Elon Musk's side comparing one of my favorite characters in the cinematic run of X-Men to George Soros. I mean, c- c- come on, do do better than that. Don't give him the most badass character in comic book movies or one of the most badass characters. Compare him to someone else, somebody way lamer. I agree. It's not a direct reading, right? But even folks who are more conservative uh, aligned, some Radley Balco, who formerly of Reason Magazine, tweeted that, look, I've, I've worked for two co-funded groups and no Soros-funded groups, and that this tweet is seriously effed up. Musk is tossing slabs of red meat to the most deranged, dangerous factions of the right, and it's looking less like opportunism and more like he's just one of them. People have put this in concert with other changes on the site, a lack of moderation that has allowed certain kind of hate group speak to proliferate, and maybe you think that's fine. Allegedly. I don't know how borne out that is, but... All right. Okay. So yeah, you have a lot of people saying that Elon Musk is playing to the right wing, which by the way, I do feel like 
he is doing so in such a way because Elon Musk could have more influence on American politics if he wanted to by funding a larger network of affiliated groups, yet he's just talking about George Soros on Twitter. But I do appreciate Robbie right there in that moment pushing back against this narrative of Twitter just becoming infinitely more anti-Semitic or infinitely more hateful post-Elon Musk taking over. This was something that was just asserted out there in the public from the jump as something that was statistically proven, but no, it's not the case, and Brianna obviously not happy, even with that mild amount of pushback, so she says, oh no, maybe you think that's fine, and he's like, no, it's not really, there's no evidence of that, that's still alleged, and she's very upset by that, I happen to agree, I think this is dramatically overstated, but again, Brianna is somebody in favor of censoring speech she disagrees with, so maybe she's interacting more with people that she disagrees with. Fun fact, by the way, she actually blocked me on Twitter for quite tweeting her related to black crime or something that she was lying about so obviously we know how she feels about political speech that she is not aligned with um and combined with some of his other tweeting patterns who he responds to the kind of tweets he's been liking he tweeted out um some memes about um black on black crime and certain other kind of tropes that were factually mm-hmm. inaccurate there's like this edited Are graph yeah because i think it's 85 percent of crime of, of black crime is against black people 83 percent of white crime is against white people and then there's the outliers that are very much lower and there's a graph that cuts off those huge chunks of same on same crime to make it seem as though the most prevalent kind of crime is black on white crime and that that kind of crime is underreported my so understanding you can, is the you graph post... is only about crimes committed by one racial group no there's a, there's an edited graph so this is the beginning of the series of lies put out by brianna Greyjoy that just shows you that a she's either in a bubble or she's just factually lying about what was going on because the meme in question was specifically as Robbie said again credit to him even though he should push back stronger about interracial crime as you can see it is a comparison between different groups offending against different groups and by the way this is not my speculation or anything like that this is what Elon Musk specifically responded to so this is what Brianna is referencing in terms of what Elon responded to. One racial group. No, there's a, there's an edited graph that people have been sh- been sharing around, and so that's that's what people are saying is misleading. Like you can say that that's fine, but that's you know it's an edited graph. And what this meme is attempting to show is the fact that the media only seems to focus on comparatively white on black crimes which are actually amongst the most rarest of the crimes that we see according to this chart rather than the much larger number of black on white crimes and her whole thing about how 85 percent of crimes are committed by blacks on blacks and 83 percent are committed by white on white because i think it's 85 percent of crime of black crime is against black people 83 percent of white crime is against white people and then there's the outliers that are very much lower it's just false first of all she's referring to murder specifically there And this chart is actually not referring to murder at all. It's actually talking about crimes as reported from the National Crime Victimization Survey, which does not cover homicide. And even then, that is inaccurate. In fact, I can actually break out the chart for you guys so that you can see that black offenders tend to impact white people way more disproportionately and even according to this victimization survey for this year, more than they impact black victims now to be clear in terms of the homicide statistics we tend to see that black victims 91 percent of the time are killed by black perpetrators and white victims 83 percent of the time are killed by white perpetrators and we see similar kind of numbers across all racial groups because murder is typically done between people who know one another so obviously we're going to see that more disproportionately but she just tried to broaden it out 
and try to apply overall victimization to the narrow constraints of homicide and claim that this chart, which only talks about interracial crime, somehow cuts out intraracial crime when that's just not the case. Robbie, again, push back a little stronger because this was an obvious lie. One racial group. No, there's, a, there's an edited graph that people have been, sh- been sharing around. And so that's that's what people are saying is misleading. Like, you can say that that's fine, but that's you know, it's an edited graph. Again, it's not an edited graph. It is interracial crime. It says it right there on the top. It makes it clear what we're talking about. It is not overall crime or overall victimization. We have no like-on-like groups in this graph. Now, you can look at these other charts that I found, one that talks about overall victimization from the same year of the National Crime Victimization Survey, and you can see those numbers as well, and you can see the side-by-side interracial, which is what this chart posted by N wokeness is actually drawing from and you could also see by the way that Asians versus blacks are completely cut out of the N wokeness chart so if you're going to say it's edited in that way then sure but I don't think Brianna wants to highlight this because what you find out is that Asians victimizing blacks is actually 99 times less likely than blacks victimizing Asians but in terms of this graph being edited or portrayed in a misleading way it's just not the case look you can you're not a crazy conspiracy theorist or an anti-Semite or a hateful person. If you disagree, you can disagree with George Soros' policies. Mm -hmm. I probably agree with some of them and disagree with others. And I mean, he he has massive influence. He spends tons of money helping to elect people who who support his policies. I think that's his right to do. You might actually disagree. I think that's totally fine within the realm of how campaigns are conducted, but you can complain about his... It doesn't make you an anti-Semitic conspiracy theorist to think his influence is bad or, or not, not want him to have this level of influence or think that the policies that he's trying to achieve are not good. Certainly some people who criticize him going too far, and we've seen the, you know, the anti-Semitic memes, yeah. that kind of stuff, that is an element of that, but substantially the criticism of him is a criticism of the priorities he has. And I'm not even saying I share that criticism, but, and then... Additionally, with with this tweet specifically, just because this character has a Jewish origin doesn't mean comparing. I mean, George Soros also, right, has a Holocaust origin. So honestly, I really like Robbie's stance right here because what he's essentially saying is that if you have money, it is your right to spend that money to talk and promote political issues that you want. Now, we're not talking about direct contributions to politicians. A lot of people tend to conflate the campaign finance limits for politicians with overall spending. And in this regard, I completely agree with him. And he also makes sure to make the delineation between the people who are pointing out that George Soros is doing this because he's factually doing this versus the people who are saying that this is some grand Jewish conspiracy which would be in the more ridiculous category. Elon Musk is talking about George Soros spending money in politics, again, because he spends money in politics, much in the same way that people on the left have no problem or had no problem calling out Sheldon Adelson, also a Jewish person who spent money in politics, or the Koch brothers, who I don't believe are Jewish, but they're the owners of the largest private corporation in the United States of America, or many of these other wealthy people who are interested in political issues and thus they spend money on those political issues. Remember, Betsy DeVos, who is the education secretary, was a billionaire who was really passionate and interested in charter schools and school choice, and people pointed that out nonstop when Trump appointed her to be the head of the Department of Education. So, for example, he's been responding a lot to this end wokeness account that was tweeting this, um, you know, 
tweeting about how, why don't we know more? Why does it seem that we know so much about the shooters when they are shooters who are kind of right-leaning, but not anything about certain other shooters, like the trans shooters, that, that may or may not be left-leaning, right? Like, we, we don't know very much about that person. Well, wait, haven't, haven't we ourselves asked that very question? Sure. But the last part of the tweet is that is, 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 that he's responding to is, Hispanic male shoots at mall and kills several white people one day later. White supremacy. Well, that's not exactly conjecture. So Brianna's talking about how, oh, he brought up this point. Robbie gives a little bit of pushback there. And then she just says it's not conjecture that the Latino shooter in Texas being referenced was a white supremacist, even though it definitely is. I've gone through the writings. There's all this talk about like how Aztecs or people of Aztec descent, which are in Mexico, are the superior group. And the Nazi tattoos show a strain of neo-Nazism, but not necessarily white supremacism. Typically, when you deal with these minorities that happen to be neo-Nazis, their primary hatred group happens to be Jewish people, then followed by other ancillary groups. So what we can see is that this person has some neo-Nazi affiliations, the love for Nazi iconography so far, that's what's out in the public, and not necessarily is a white supremacist. So yes, that is a giant leap, and it's one of the things that annoys me because I used to design graduate courses, or I was on a team that helped design graduate courses on extremism, the fact that people can't seem to delineate between groups like the Klan, like the neo-Nazis, like white nationalists, even though they do have distinct beliefs that separate themselves from one another. This is like not knowing the difference, in my opinion, between Shia extremists or Sunni extremists. Like, obviously, there are different organizations that fall under those broader umbrellas, and just asserting that they're all Muslims does not help us know specifically what's going on nor does it explain why somebody who's allegedly a white supremacist appears to have gone to a white area to conduct this crime. Nor did it take a rocket scientist to come to the conclusion that that guy was a white supremacist, given that he had tattoos. enormous swastika tattoos all over his body. So what is the implication of, of Elon Musk responding to that tweet? Odd. Is it odd that the news would report that a man with swastika tattoos shot a bunch of people and that swastika tattoos are literally the sign of Nazism and white supremacy? Well, again, swastikas are the sign of neo-Nazism Nazism in modern day America, but they're not necessarily the sign of white supremacy. There are black people who unfortunately embrace these symbols because they don't like Jewish people. This is usually a good indicator that somebody's anti-Semitic, and then you draw your own parallels. And typically, if they're a white person, you can pretty much categorize them as also being a white supremacist, but there are delineations, especially specifically when we're talking about the non-white groups of neo-Nazis, like it seems like the shooter in this instance was affiliated from. But again, no new nuance in there, nothing like that, and no acknowledgement of the fact that the reason they're running with that narrative and blasting it in every headline is because it already lines up with the preconceived notions of the media. Yeah, I mean, look, there's often a, yeah, I, I agree with what you just said, there's often a a kernel or more than a kernel of a of a good idea or an intriguing idea or something that bears further investigation in some of these observations, like that, like the, the, the media's greater interest in in some of the mass shooters and seeming lack of interest in the one that might have gone counter to their usual playing favorites teams kind of thing is interesting and, and 
we are a little more curious about that. And then you can take that too far and right, start to go into conspiracy territory. And that's, uh, I, I mean, I wish Elon would hold himself back a little bit, I guess. But, you know, he's his own person. He's bought Twitter. He can make it his playground. Yeah. Look, Robbie has good points throughout this. If you listen to him, if you actually take into account what he's saying. However, I need this man to speak with a little bit more oomph. I need him to push back a little stronger because you have Brianna saying untrue thing after untrue thing over and over and over again. And then he like meekly corrects the issue. Then she gives him a look and he's like head down, not really paying attention. Come on, Robbie. This is a two person show. Allegedly. Why don't you stick up for the side that you're trying to argue instead of meekly saying, well, yeah, I understand that. And uh, let me look down and, and not and not make direct eye contact and like kind of wussily say my position. You actually have solid information on your side. You're actually addressing at least in a non-straw man way, the points that people are making about the varying coverage and the varying levels of revealing information to the public about these two instances. And I wish you would actually say so like you were correct. One of the things I hate is when you're in an argument and the person who's correct is like, well, I'm, I'm just going to be calm and talk about it. And the other person is asserting dominance over the conversation and that person's wrong. Yet most people think the opposite just based on the body language. For example, the in response to the uh, the protesters following the Neely um, death on the subway, there were a bunch of people occupying the subway tracks that were protesting for uh, Penny to be charged. He had not been charged at that time. And Elon Musk asked this refrain that many conservatives have been asking, why didn't they protest the children who were murdered at the Christian school? They are disingenuous. And so, again, there's this framing of, you know, that somehow they're out to get Christianity. I mean, So apparently you have people talking about how there wasn't enough outrage over the Christian school or whatever, but there's all this outrage over Neely. I think these are bad one-to-one comparisons. In fact, you can compare very similar instances of black people killing white people or even more unjustified instances of black people killing white people for racist reasons. Like we have the group of people who actually went around and shot somebody fixing a mail box and told the police that they did so because they wanted to kill a white person you have the black person who reportedly killed two white people because of racist reasons and that gets no attention however the mere fact that daniel penny was a white person who by the way actually conducted himself with a minority of hispanic descent it appears and a black person in the restraint of neely people are saying that he's a racist and only him specifically is going to be charged but what i find incredibly interesting is where brianna ends up taking this which is like all these white attacks and all this nonsense and she's kind of emphasizing this point even though we know about these attacks because the perpetrator was white that's why they got the national attention so she's actually playing into it but then she goes into a much more sinister direction how many black churches were gunned down by white supremacists how many synagogues have been gunned down by white supremacists Sikhs have been attacked by white supremacists and there are protests when the perpetrator is not killed on the scene and is not arrested or is arrested but treated very well. The way that, uh, what was it, Dylan Roof who was taken to Burger King and, and escorted so gently, it seemed, to the car. So this is where we could have used Robbie Suave to push back against Brianna Joy Gray because what she just told is a vicious lie being perpetuated by the media about the treatment of one Dylan Roof. And I'm going to break it down for you even though I've done an entire video on it. Now, for those of you who are unaware, Dylan Roof was somebody, a white nationalist, white supremacist, whatever you want to call him, who shot up a historically black church in Charleston, South Carolina. Now, he ended up 
fleeing the scene of that area without getting arrested, but he was eventually stopped in his vehicle by the Shelby County Police Department or Sheriff's Department in North Carolina, and they were guns drawn, they knew who he was, and Dylan surrendered immediately and was not killed. Now, this is standard if they don't pose a threat at the time that they're surrendering and you show up, you know who they are, you have all the guns trained on him, that this person is taken alive. There have been plenty of black people taken alive for various similar instances. It's not that rare. There's entire threads about how ridiculous this is. However, one of the things that's interesting about the Shelby Sheriff's Department is that they're an incredibly small town sheriff's department. In fact, they don't even have their own jail. And because they don't have their own jail, they also don't have their own meal services. So they took Dylan Roof, this high-profile inmate, to their station and held him there before the FBI was going to pick him up. However, during the course of time that they had custody of Roof, he said that he was hungry. Now, if you aren't aware of this, it's actually considered a civil rights violation, and it could be something that is used to get rid of certain statements that you would make to the police if the suspect was under duress. And one of the ways that you can be under duress is if you are not hungry. So when Dylan was at the station, the station that didn't have a jail, that didn't have meal services, and he said that he was hungry, the decision was made to go somewhere close, which by the way, Burger King, if you look it up, five minutes away to get him something for cheap so that they can feed him so that you don't end up with a situation where anything Dylan Roof said to the police was not something that they could use in the ultimate trial to convict him. So what you ended up happening was an instance of the Shelby police perfectly following protocol with a high profile inmate in order to make sure that they weren't the small town department that you hear about that bungled such a high profile case. They did everything by the book, yet you have Brianna Joy Gray talking about it as if they took him to Burger King and bought him a nice meal as if to imply that the Shelby Sheriff's Department in North Carolina is somehow on the side of Dylan Roof. So you have this department that understands the gravity of the suspect, understands how serious it is, is doing everything to follow protocol, and you have the left wing who ignores that. They take an excerpt out, they exaggerate it, make it sound like they brought him to Burger King, maybe let him play in the ball pit or something, in order to give you this idea that this person that everyone is against, that the sheriff's department followed protocol perfectly, that they took with the utmost seriousness, was actually somehow aligned with Roof. That white people in the police department saw what Roof did and they said, wow, you're such a good guy. We're on your team in some way. Let's hook you up for a meal because we kind of agree with what you did. It's one of the nastiest, most sinister things that the left wing has put out about the Roof case. A case that everyone is against, that everyone understands how evil this freaking guy was in his actions yet they can't ever unite they have to figure out a way to divide and the way that they do that is by exaggerating lying pulling stuff out of context and putting it out into the public imagine being the shelby police department or the shelby sheriff's department doing everything right and years later you're still being lied about consistently on the internet about it and while i gave robbie credit for actually pushing back in other instances this was a key moment where actually knowing your information knowing your sitting across from an absolute liar would have been crucial. It's absolutely shameful that we're still dealing with this nonsense right here in this moment. But again, that's what we're dealing with. Well, I mean, you can, I, I, I understand what you're saying. I, I think the media specifically, like how much attention we give, right? Like, yes, the Jordan, regardless of how you feel about it, um, 
the, the choice to make this as big a story from a media perspective involves some decision making from media actors sure. where you know we uh, how many you know crime stories have we covered in the last month or so where where more people die or more or it's 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 random it's horrifying it you know kids gone down some of those big national news got a lot of coverage a lot of them didn't get nearly as much coverage as this and you just see the pushback from Robbie in this moment it's so much weaker than it needs to be the choice to make this and it deals with the highlights or whatever no no conversation about how they're playing the 13 year old clips of this guy dancing like Michael Jackson no conversation about how three people assisted in this restraint thus are all chargeable yet only one person's being charged and that's the white person and everybody seems to be okay with that selective prosecution nothing about how eric adams was talking about how jordan neely was like him specifically and he was one of us as in a black person and how he named his son jordan my fellow new yorkers this has been a week of strong emotions in our city one of our own is dead, a black man, black like me. A man named Jordan, the name I gave my son. Just the weakest, meekest pushback about how, oh, well, you know, the media sometimes likes to highlight things that they want to talk about. But Come on, do better than that. Uneven nature of that can cause you to question, well, why? Yeah. And is it because... It speaks to the politic. something like what happened to Jordan Neely speaks to the political or the policy views of the people making decisions in media. I think some of that is true. I also think, frankly, you know, there are so many, most gun crimes happen like mm-hmm. in urban areas, uh, gang violence and things like that. They don't get very, very widely reported on. And there's an implication that, well, no one cares about black and black crime. We're only reporting on interracial crime because it's galvanizing and it confirms one narrative or the other. Right. I do think there's some of that, but I think a lot of it is that we report on crime that makes us feel implicated as more affluent people. Now, because Robbie gave such weak and meek pushback against Brianna Greyjoy, she ends up closing out this segment more or less with saying, well, you know, the reason that we don't talk about urban crime is not because we don't want to talk about in the media black on black crime, the actual problems going on with the black community or anything like that. It's because of a class issue and the media's upper class. So she gets to frame this in this way, even though she knows for sure that the reason she's highlighting this case, but not that case is so that she could forward her own racial narrative. Again, this is one of the reasons why I can't stand this show because Robbie will say a lot of correct things but he never really has his voice actually expressed on these issues it's always the meekest pushback with like oh i half agree with you and all of that so the takeaway from the audience if you just sat somebody down is that brianna is more correct than him even though she's lying and telling vicious lies like smearing the shelby sheriff's department as somehow aligned with dylan roof when all they did was make sure that this highly important case was handled according to protocol it's shameful it's the Disgusting. Of course, it is something that just gets perpetuated throughout all our society. It's not the only example of this, but I'm sick of it. And this video was particularly bad. Little did I know that a video about Elon Musk calling George Soros Magneto would turn into a whole hatchet job against conservatives, the right wing, strawmanning statistics, denying crime, and smearing a good sheriff's department for a job well done. 
But hey, those are just my thoughts. Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below. If you like this video, show them by leaving a like, subscribe for more content, follow me on all my social medias, support me via the support links in the description of this video. This has been me talking about a Ridiculous Hill Rising segment. Till next time.